the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedro. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. On the program today, we are going to continue the teaching series that we have been in uh, for the last three weeks. This actually, excuse me, will be part four today. And the subject matter is um, the privilege of prayer and just the subject of prayer in and of itself. Now, I want to take just a second and I want to kind of recap a little bit because, you know, when I when I decided to do a teaching on another teaching series here on prayer, I always try to let the Holy spirit lead me. And I didn't know if it would be two weeks or three weeks or eight weeks. You know, I always try to be flexible and, and just let the spirit lead me as far as how long a particular teaching can go. And so on this one, I, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe two or three weeks, but as we finished part three, um, we it just we it, it was obvious that we weren't completed with this teaching series. So we we began back in part one, talking about the privilege of prayer, and really we the thing that I wanted to emphasize in that is how blessed we are to have the privilege to be able to to pray to the God of the universe, and if. And I've had to do this, or not had to do this, but I've done this in my own life from time to time where I've actually stopped and thought about, and and, and I do things in a very childlike, simplistic way sometimes when it approaches things of God. And I'm grateful that Jesus said, unless you come as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because I approach the scriptures and I believe all of them. I may not always understand all of them, but I believe all of it. I believe the entire Bible. I believe it's God's word. I don't question it. I believe it. Um, sometimes I I have certain I have I may have trouble understanding parts of it, but it does not change the fact that I have, I believe it all. I'm, I have childlike faith in that aspect. And when I stop sometimes, and I think about really what prayer is. Now let me make this again. It's very simplistic, but think about this. <clears throat> we have the opportunity and the privilege to get quiet, to to stop in our day-in and day-out lives and communicate with the creator of everything. We have access to God. Now, I will tell you, and I may have said this before, but if I haven't, while I was thinking about this program today, it came to mind, and you need to understand something, and it's crucially important, and I don't ever personally want to offend anybody, but I must be faithful and true to the Scriptures. When we pray, 
the first question that needs to be asked is, who do you pray to? And who I pray to is um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and Father of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is who Jesus is. Jesus, and I've said this before, sometimes we should say Jesus the Christ instead of Jesus Christ. He was, he, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the one sent to save mankind from our sinful nature. He is the, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's essential in our prayer life that you you need to understand that we need to pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us to pray in Jesus' name to God the Father. And so that's, you know, that's kind of 101 on prayer, that who are you praying to? But with that in mind... And assuming that we are praying to the, to the the God that I just mentioned, think about the privilege, think about the honor. And when I stop and I meditate on that, and really think about that, and just meditate on it, it radically alters my prayer life. To know that uh, the Bible says we have access to the throne room of God. And to make our requests be made known, to bring our concerns, our our frustrations, our requests, um, our our deepest most thoughts, our fears, our joys, to be able to communicate with the Father. And when you stop and meditate on that and think about it, it, it is it's very humbling, but it's revolutionary. Um, it, it radically changes my prayer life. It radically changes my viewpoint on things. When I know that I have access to God the Father and that he cares for me and that he's there for me and he loves me as a father deeper than I could ever love my kids or grandkids because he's Father God and I'm his child. When I think about that, it changes my life because The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And God would say, do you understand, my child, that I'm I'm for you and that I want the very best for you and that I'm able to give you the very best if you will trust me? And sometimes you may not understand what you're going through, but trust me that it's all going to work out for your good in the end. And when we stop and humble ourselves and think about prayer like that, my goodness, I mean, and look, I'm as human as everybody else. I struggle with, sometimes I worry and I fret, and the Bible says, do not fret, it only causes harm. Jesus said, why do you worry about tomorrow? Let Tomorrow's got its own concerns. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. In other words, if you'll seek the Father, he'll take care of everything else. And so... When I talk about the privilege of prayer, I don't use that term flippantly. I really think prayer is a wonderful privilege, and it can be an awesome responsibility as well. We should be serious in our prayer lives. We should be thoughtful in our prayer lives. 
I mentioned this before when when you know when somebody says, "Hey, can you pray for me about something?" and we say, "Yeah, I'll pray for you about that." and we walk off and we forget about it, that is really showing some serious irresponsibility. And most of us have done it sometime in our lives. I try to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect in in any area of my life, but I try to the best of my ability when somebody says, can you pray for me about something? And I say, yes, then I need to stop and pray for them about this or don't tell them I'm going to do it. The privilege of prayer, the responsibility of prayer, and the subject of prayer, I think, gets thrown around in a very flippant manner. But this teaching series, this came about, I started when we had, during the NFL playoffs, and I know this may sound crazy now, but think back to when the playoffs were going on and that young man that got got um, got hit on the field and his heart stopped. And so for a week or two, everybody talked about the power of prayer, the power of prayer, and the power of prayer. And so that's when I decided it would be a good time to do a teaching series uh, on prayer. And I love the fact that uh, people did immediately stop what they were doing and begin to pray for this young man. And, you know, all the people who want to be critical of praying on the field or you know, doing all these things, all of a sudden that didn't matter when somebody's life was in the, was in the, in, in the, in the hands there. All of a sudden we knew it was time to pray. And so the question that sometimes it begs to be asked is, why does it take a 9-11 event? Why does it take us something like that for us to stop and go, wow, we really need prayer? And I will tell you as uh, as a man who is 65 years old, I grew up in this country. I do not recognize this country compared to the country that I grew up in. And when I look and I see all the problems that we have in our nation that we don't have the answers for, when I see the the, the corruption, the um, deceitfulness, the depravity, the sexual immorality, the crazy stuff that our country is go- that's going on in our country that is is somebody who prays for spiritual discernment. It is so clear to me what's going on in this country is so demonic. What we're doing to our kids, what we're doing to our country, what we're doing the thing, our policies that we're that we're allowing to be put in place, they're demonic. And I know that many of you listening to this program agree with me that what's going in our going on in our nation now is demonic. How can we who are serious about our faith not be serious about spending time in prayer right now? And I will tell you that prayer is such an important part of my life. I don't know what I would do without it. I pray several times a day, and yet I will meet people who say they never pray. I'll meet people who say, well, I pray every once in a while. I don't know how. I can't make it through a day without prayer, and it's an essential part of my life. And I will tell you that the devil has done a wonderful job in getting us so busy that we don't have time for prayer. Now, part three of the program, I ended it with a certain verse, and I want to jump into that verse now and then continue into some other verses about prayer. But I I ended this part three of this program with a verse in Psalms chapter 46, and I mentioned that we all have some kind of, we call them life verses, verses that just mean so much to us and maybe helped change our lives at one point in our lives. And this is one of my life verses. And in Psalms 46 and 10, the Bible says, be still 
and know that I am God. And I have, I don't know, I can't put a, a definite amount of time, but I will promise you I've spent over a thousand hours in my life meditating on this particular verse. And it's such a, an amazing, amazing thought where the Bible says, be still. Now, be is a verb, so when it says be still, it almost sounds contradictory because it's uh, it's calling into action to get still. And that word still, in the original Hebrew language, uh, that word still uh, is the word rapa, R-A-P-A, and it means to be feeble, to lower oneself, to leave, to leave alone, to to abandon uh, to hang, I, I love this description. It says to hang limp. In other words, that word still means, if I could put it in a practical, relevatory term to our society today, it would mean turn the television off, get off your laptops, get off the, your telephones, set everything else aside, find a place and a time where you can be undisturbed, whether that be in your car or sitting on your back porch or sitting in your recliner at home or in your bed at night or in the, in the woods out behind your house. Find that time and, get, and, and turn everything else off and get quiet and get still. Ask the Holy Spirit to clear your mind out. Ask the Holy Spirit to free you up of ever, all the concerns and the worries and everything else that are going on in your life. Get, really, really, really get still. And it might, it, for me, I do it at night, in the middle of the night, and I have a, a place where I spend time studying and praying in the middle of the night, and I have a little reading light there, and sometimes I'll have the light on because I'm reading, and then I'll turn the light off because I like it as dark as I can as quiet as I can get it. And that to me is getting, for me, that's my still place. And the the scripture says, be still and know. And that word know doesn't mean in a casual aspect. It means really, really, really in the most intimate um, possible interpretation to really know something. That word know in the Hebrew language is the word yada, and it, what it means is um, to know somebody even in more of an intimate manner than I know my wife. And so the Bible says, be still and really, really know. And he says that I am God. Think about that. He would say to us, listen, in times when you're at the lowest point in your life, I'm God. When you're at your greatest, most fabulous time, I'm still there and I'm God. When you're at times when you feel like you're being attacked and you don't and you're confused and you may be angry and bitter and feel lonely and feel lost, I'm here. I'm still here. I'm God. And so think about this verse in its entirety. Be still and know that I am God. And for me, even today in my prayer life, that verse continues to be a blessing to me. And gets me in the right mindset, in the right place with my heart and my spirit and my life, where then I can enter into prayer and really begin to to have a, an effective prayer life, an important prayer life, and 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 it 
it emphasizes to me the privilege we have of prayer. I'm going to take my first break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to jump into the next section of Scripture I want to look at. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. We return to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. My name is Craig Nedro. This is part four on the teaching series about prayer. Uh, Before the break, I talked about one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and that is Psalms 46 and 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will tell you in my own life, there was a point where God had to break me of everything in my life. He had to take everything in my life away from me and um, send me to a place where I had no choice but to get still. And I came to the realization that I wasn't God of my own life, that no one else was God in my life. There was only one God, and it was Jehovah God. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that I wasn't God. And that, and so that verse really has a, a special personal deep meaning to me where it says, be still and know that I am God. So I mentioned before the break, I want to go now to uh, Jeremiah. So if you're in Psalms still, go, hang a right, go a few books over past Isaiah. We're going to go into Jeremiah and go to uh, chapter 29 of Jeremiah. Now, this is a verse that many of you have heard before. But I I think there's something that a lot of people miss in this particular verse. And in verse 29, or chapter 29 of Jeremiah, uh, verse 11, here's the Lord is speaking here. And here's what the Lord says. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. So this is God speaking. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You know what God would say? You know, I'm for you. And and you may not understand it, but I'm God and I know my thoughts towards you. And they're good thoughts. They're thoughts of peace and they're thoughts, not, they're not of evil, but they're thoughts of peace. Think about the world we live in today. How, how hard is it sometimes to, ha- to keep your peace? I know people who would say, I haven't had peace in years, Craig. God says, I I know my thoughts towards you. And they're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And we live in a world now where so many people are hopeless. God says, that's not my thoughts. My thoughts are to give you a future and a hope. And then listen to this. He says in verse 12, this is the Lord speaking. He says, then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now stop again and just think about this verse. God says, I I want you to know that I have certain thoughts about you and towards you, and they're good thoughts, and they're not bad thoughts. They're thoughts to give you a future and a hope. And he says, then go and call upon me, and go and pray to me. And he says, and I will listen. Is that not an overwhelming statement when we really stop and meditate on that? God says, if you will come to me and you will pray to me, I will listen to you. And then he continues in verse 13 and he says, and you will seek me 
and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, this is important that we grasp this, and we tend to just blow. We, we love the one that uh, says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I want to I encourage you to keep reading. God says, then you will go, and you will call upon me, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. But listen to what God says. This is what God wants of us. He says, I don't want half of you. I don't want, I, God, I, I believe God would say, please get serious about this thing. Come to me in prayer. When he says, seek me, that means seek. It means go after. He says, please pursue me. He says, because when you pursue me, when you seek me, when you pray to me, when you call upon me, and he says, when you search for me with all your heart, Notice it. Does anybody's Bible say with 82% of your heart? No, God says, I want all of it. I want all of you. Sell out. I want every bit of you. And he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And he continues and he says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. This is a wonderful picture. I know people who are bound by pornography, who are bound by bitterness and hatred and anger towards others they've never been able to forgive. They're bound by all sorts of different things. There's a lot of different types of prison. And God says, if you will seek me with your whole heart, I will be found by you, and I will bring you, I will bring you out of whatever's holding you captive. This is some beautiful scripture, some beautiful promises from God here in Jeremiah chapter twenty nine and I love it the fact that he says, "You will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Is that not a wonderful message from God about prayer God says, "Look, I know my thoughts towards you, they're good thoughts." I have a future and a hope for you. Come to me, call upon me, and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. Now, stay in Jeremiah. We're going to go over a couple more chapters. Go to Jeremiah chapter 33, and listen to this. In Jeremiah chapter 33, in verse 3, so that's Jeremiah 33 and 3. Listen to what God says. Because in verse 1, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. So this is this is the Lord speaking here. He says, Thus says the Lord, in verse 2, and in verse 3, God says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I love this verse as well. And I will tell you the first word there that I want to point out is the word call. When God says, call to me, that word call in the original Hebrew language is the word quora, Q-A-R-A. And it means to summon Yahweh by name for help. Wow, think about that. God says, call me by name for help. Call to me, God says. Call to me, and I will answer you. It's almost like we have a God that's on his throne and he's saying, listen, if you'll get serious about this prayer stuff, 
If you'll get serious about seeking me and communicating with me, I'm wanting to be there for you. I'm wanting to help you. I'm wanting a relationship with you. But please, can I? I think God sometimes is on his throne and he's he's looking down going, can I please get some people that would be serious about communicating and fellowshipping with me? I, I, I love in Chronicles when it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. God is saying, I'm looking for my kids that are sold out to me. I'm looking for my kids that are loyal to me so I can show myself strong on their behalf. And here he says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, call to me, seek me, summon me by name for help, and I will answer you. And that word answer in the original Hebrew it means to respond, and it can involve action. Folks, again, I'm not to over, oversimplify this, but can you imagine if you knew that when you called out to God and when you really prayed to God, God says, I'm on it. I'm on it. He says, the time will come when before you finish speaking, I will answer. What? Think of the power there. He says, if you'll seek me with your whole heart and come and pray to me and call upon me, I will answer to you. I will will listen to you and I will answer you. And he says, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't mean it in in any kind of a self-righteous way. I mean this from a place of humility. But let me tell you something. My relationship with the with Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. I love my wife. I can say this, and I believe it's true, that I would die for my wife. But she does not come before Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is first in my life. It's non-negotiable. And so my prayer life is very important to me. And I believe the Scriptures. And when I saw this, in, when I'm years ago, when I saw Jeremiah 33 and 3, where God says, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I spend a lot of time in the Scriptures. I spend a lot of time thinking about what's going on in our world and where where are we at in God's timetable? Where are we at from a prophetic viewpoint? And I will tell you, folks, I pray a lot for discernment and for God to show me and give me knowledge and understanding and discernment about things. And that's why... And I know that several of you listening can relate to this. If we have some spiritual discernment, we look at what's going on in the world today. And folks, I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to get off track here because I'll tell you I'm right on track. The next major event is the return of Christ for the church. We're so close. Don't know the day, don't know the week, the hour, the month, the year, but we're so close because I believe God has shown some of us great and mighty things which we do not know. And what he's showing us is I have signs everywhere, folks, that we are in the very, very, very last days before the return of Christ. This is such an important time in the world history right now. I'm going to take my next break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. My name is Craig Nedro. 
Uh, we're on part four today of the subject of prayer. I just love talking about prayer. It's such a privilege. It's such an honor. And we're it's so misunderstood, I believe. And if we really had a serious grasp of who it is that we have the privilege to pray to and the power that he has, and we really leaned into that and leaned on that, it would radically change our lives in so many ways. And I say this from from a place of somebody who has had the Lord change his life radically in the past. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jesus Christ changed my life, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Um, I'm not a, ashamed of the power of God in my life. God has done so many things in my life that I, to me, they're miracles because they're in my own life. And I know that everything I am and everything I have is from God. And I'm so grateful, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so thankful for the privilege of prayer. Now, we've been in Jeremiah chapter 29, and then we went to Jeremiah chapter 33. Now I want you to go back over to the Psalms and go to Psalms chapter 109. And this is a Psalm of David. And this is when people were pursuing David. And I want you to notice something. In the darkest times of our lives, when things can be the most difficult— and you feel like the whole world's against you, I want you to see what how David responded. And in Psalms 109, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And, it said, and David said, Do not keep silent, O God of my, of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. Now let me stop and make a, make a comment about this. David says, God, please do not be silent. I praise you, Father, you're you're the God of my praise, but do not be silent. And David says, the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. Now, I never want to personally offend anybody, but I'm going to tell you something. There is a demonic force in our nation today, a demonic force in this world today, and they are wicked, they are demonic, they are deceitful, and they speak out against God, against Jesus, and against all of anything having to do with uh, Christ and the Christian us Christians and the Word of God. They are against. They are enemies of the cross. And and so this I I relate to this what David's saying. He says the mouth of the wicked, wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. That's that's our world today, folks. And David said they have also surrounded me. With words of, uh, I'm sorry, he said, let me go back up because this is important. He said, they have spoken against me with a lying tongue. You know, when I was growing up, I was taught that if you lie, you get in trouble. Now, the media, now politicians, it seems like every, and I'm talking about our leading politicians, the leaders of our nation, it seems like almost everything they say to us is a lie. And you know it and I know it. And David says, the mouth of the wicked and the, uh, and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. And he says, they have spoken lies. They, I mean, they have spoken against me with a lying tongue. And he says, they have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Let me ask you a question. If you're a follower of Christ, do you not feel the hatred towards us now? And I've asked people this before, people that... You know, you mentioned Jesus, and they and they get all riled up and get offended. And I, I've said this to them before. What did Jesus do to you? Why are you mad at Jesus? 
Why do you hate Jesus? What did Jesus do to you? Because all my all I'm aware of is that Jesus died for you. But there's such a hatred that tells you it's demonic. I love the relevancy of the scriptures. And David here says, they have surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. And look what, look at David's response here in verse 4 of Psalm 109. He says, in return for my love, they are my accusers. And that's, again, we have a, we have a, a, a group of people who want to accuse Christians of certain things. And David, look at David's response. But I give myself to prayer. Wow. He says, thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. David said, when, when these people were against me, when I, I knew they, they spoke out against me, they were deceitful, they lied against me for no cause. God, he says, I'm, instead of responding back with hatred, instead of responding back and fighting, I'm going to give myself to prayer. Now, I will tell you something, and I'm just, this wasn't planned. I'm just going to mention something. If you go back and read the scriptures, David prayed, David prayed for the destruction of his enemies, for the annihilation of the enemies of God. And I don't want to sound like I'm insensitive or anything else, but I will tell you, folks, in my prayer life, oftentimes I say, Lord, Lord, you know who your enemies are. You know who the enemies of the cross are. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take them out, to destroy your enemies. And you might think, well, that's not a very loving prayer. Let me tell you something. If you are an enemy of Jesus and if you are an enemy of God the Father, you're my enemy. I pray for you because Jesus said pray for your enemies. So I do pray for you. I pray that before it's too late, that God will reveal himself to you if you're an enemy of the cross, if you hate Christians and everything about the Bible and about Jesus, I pray for you. However, if you do not repent and change your mindset, you're an enemy of God and you're an enemy of the cross. And you will be destroyed in God's time and in God's way. I'm going to take my last break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. Back to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. My name is Craig Nedro. Uh, I'm on the continuing on the subject of prayer, and I just was in Psalms chapter 109. Now I want to go to the book of Daniel. So if you're in Psalms, take a right, go past Isaiah, go past um, Jeremiah, go past Ezekiel, and you're eventually going to come into the book of Daniel. Go to Daniel chapter 9. And I'm going to spend the last few minutes of this program, and I want to read this prayer that Daniel prayed to God. This is an, uh, it gives you some insight as to a mindset of uh, Daniel when he, he prayed for uh, forgiveness for himself and for his nation. He goes before the God of heaven, and it's in a very humbling, transparent manner. And I want to read this prayer. This is an amazing prayer. And here's what Daniel says in Daniel chapter 9, in verse 3, it says, Then Daniel speaking, and he says, Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make a request by prayer 
and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I mentioned before, oftentimes you'll see uh, uh, prayer and supplication together. Supplication is an intensified prayer. Daniel continues in verse 4, and he says, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face as it is as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and far off in all the countries which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so not to obey, so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For unto the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept this disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who, you, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is to this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins, and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. For the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Now, listen to this. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, 
and the sin of my people Israel in presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking a, 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 a while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening prayer, and he informed me and talked with me and said, "O oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand." Folks, this is an amazing prayer. And I would encourage you to go back and read this and meditate on this. A couple of things jump out. Daniel doesn't come before God and say, hey, you need to do this and you need to do this because we're, because we're great and all this other stuff. You know what? He comes before God with a humble spirit. And he says, God, I've sinned and my, the people of my nation have sinned. The leaders of my nation have sinned. We've turned against you. We've, we've rebelled against your word. And these are the reasons we're having the problems we're having, Lord. And he asks for forgiveness. He confesses his sin for, for himself and for the nation. He, he acknowledges who God is. He, tell, he acknowledges that God is righteous and righteous in all of his works. In other words, God, whatever you want to do to us, we deserve. We're not, and he says, we're not, I'm not asking this because of our righteousness, God, because there is none. I'm asking this because of your great mercies. Can you imagine if a leader in our nation came before all of us in on national television and said, I want to read this prayer, and I want to ask you to join me in this same prayer for America today. Can you imagine the power that would be involved in that? I love the subject of prayer. We need prayer for us right now in this nation. If you are a follower of Christ, we are called to be serious and understand the times we're living in and be serious about our prayers. This week was part four in my teaching series on prayer. Next week, we're going we're to continue this. I, I, there's, we're, we're not finished. We've still got some other things we need to look at concerning prayer. I appreciate you tuning in. God bless you. Have a great week. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus, visit our website at craignedroministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we stand up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.